Mr. Squidward. Welcome to the night shift. For the 20th time over the course of a Tuesday, Saturday, or Sunday, we wish you folks and uh, say hello and good evening, everybody, and welcome into another live edition of the MI6 Sports Network's late night sports talk show. That, of course, folks, is the night shift on our 20th episode here on this Sunday night. Wet, cold, and rainy Sunday, November the 8th, 2020, as rain continues to fall here across the great state of California. As usual, folks, Joined, as always, by the fellow late-night MI6 Sports Network uh, fellow uh, Night Owl uh, night owl co-host, our buddy Isaiah Leung from the Garage Studios up there in Fremont, California. Yours truly, Cal McClurg, from the home studios here in San Diego. Isaiah, as always, man, we thank you for staying up late and for joining us, man. And, of course, welcome to the night shift. How's it going, man? Good to see you. Great to see you, too, Callan. Uh, first of all, I don't think I'm even in my garage because, well, I, yeah, I don't think I'm in my garage. I think I'm trapped in an igloo right now because that's what it feels like here in the garage studios here uh, in my house at Fremont, California. I mean, it is so cold right now that I'm wearing two jackets plus a sweatshirt underneath. I got my hoodie um, on me right now. It's just freezing cold right now. But, hey, we're going to power through it. Winter weather has officially arrived here in the Bay Area. I mean, the last couple of months, it's been hot with 80 to 90 degree weather and the sun always out. But today, man, oh, my God, the, like today was 47 degrees the entire day. I had to walk around my house with two jackets on, a sweatshirt on, plus the heater on. And then when I went outside, I had to walk around in like four jackets with a sweatshirt. That's how cold it was. I know a lot of people that are tuning in, you know, they're going to, they're going to be like, Isaiah, you're a wimp because, you know, it's only 47 degrees where I live. It's like, it's like, 10 degrees and in 47 degree weather that's considered summer to us and we wear shorts but hey let me tell you guys this i've been living in the bay area my entire life i've been living in warm weather paradise my entire life 47 degree weather here is considered super super cold so please don't like blame me for you know putting all that jacket on and stuff like that it's freezing here but um and i'm glad that winter weather has finally arrived but Callan, today, even though it's been really cold, I made a remarkable discovery today. And that was that the McDonald's now serves a cinnamon roll, apple fritter, and blueberry muffin for like the for the entire day. I tried their cinnamon roll. It was so good with coffee. Perfect for a hot or for a for a freezing cold day. So it's been a great Sunday. Can't wait to talk some sports with you now. And yeah, let's do this. Woo! It is cold. I can vouch for Isaiah, though, with me living by the beach my entire life and going to the Bay Area in August and wearing jeans and uh, two jackets and a hat every single day while I was up there. So I can definitely agree with Isaiah's sentiments, though. 
At the same time, though, folks, as usual, we come your way here or coming your way on this 20th episode of The Night Shift. Again, folks, as a reminder, if you've been perhaps away from your phone all day, you've been missing out on all the big plays, big games, and big scores of the day. Again, Isaiah and myself try our best to come here and do that with you folks and talk all the things going on in the sports world. Late night, every Tuesday, Saturday, send it again to cater to our late night viewers here on the MI6 Sports Network. So again, folks, we'll also take your live input, your questions, comments, or concerns about the uh, sports world throughout the course of our show tonight. We'll do our absolute best to make sure that those uh, comments are, in fact, read live on the air. With that, Isaiah and company, the first game of the day uh, from week nine of the NFL season kicks off in the morning slate of games with the Broncos facing the Falcons from Mercedes-Benz Stadium down there in ATL, Georgia. It is Atlanta getting by the uh, Denver Broncos 34-27 early on Sunday morning. Of course, Isaiah, not the best day again for Drew Locke and for the Denver Broncos and probably for a game for Atlanta. More so, they're just playing in my mind right now for respect and trying to get themselves back on some type of a very good track right now, as we've already talked about plenty of times with the Falcons, not being able to, you know, blow game, uh, you know, not being able to hold leads. Uh, and really, not a lot of positives to, uh, positives to take away from this season for the Falcons. Again, a dismal year, a lot of blown leads, uh, no lead being safe. Uh, maybe some good production, though, still from Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, still working very well as a unit, though. But Isaiah, uh, at least for Atlanta in a pretty much a lost season for the Falcons, though, getting a win today over Denver. Your thoughts on this ballgame as the Falcons knock off uh, your man crush, Drew Locke, and the Denver Broncos today? Well, Kellen, let me see this before I dive into the game. That is why, you know, what it, this is what made my – McDonald's coffee and cinnamon rolls so much better because of all the the garbage that I had to witness today with the Denver Broncos in the uh, the morning slate of games. I was just so disgusted. I slammed the door of my house, left, went to McDonald's, got myself a coffee, got myself a cinnamon roll, and you know all that uh, pain was soothed because of uh, the meal that I had to eat. But about this game, Callan. First of all, do we really have to get into this? Can we skip this and go to the Seahawks and Bills game plays? Like that would really, I would really appreciate that if we could. But no, uh, Callan, I am out. I am out on the Denver Broncos, man. I am here to announce to you and the rest of our audience that I am retracting my AFC West pick that I made before this season. I cannot believe before this season that I had the audacity to pick this team to win the AFC West. I really don't know what I was thinking when I did that. Uh, when you heard that, man, you should have immediately called the police and got me drug tested. That pick is looking worse and worse by the minute. Last Sunday, after the Broncos, they pulled off that miraculous win over the Los Angeles Chargers or the Renters, like uh, my guy Casey King has been calling them. I said that the next three games that the Broncos absolutely had to go 3-0 and and sweep them if they wanted to make the playoffs because those games were very, very favorable to the Broncos. They were going to play the, the lowly Falcons in Atlanta. Then the following week at the Raiders, which I thought you know was going to be the toughest of those three games, but still winnable games. 
Um, and then the week after that, they were going to play the Miami Dolphins in Denver, another game that I deemed winnable and favorable to the Denver Broncos. And then they go out there and they stink up the joint and lose to the lowly Falcons today. Uh, the game out of this three-game stretch that they absolutely had to win and they absolutely should have won because the Falcons suck. But, you know, they the Denver Broncos, they just don't show up in Atlanta that's really what pisses me off about this Broncos team. It's because you never know what team is going to show up on any given week. One week against a team that they absolutely should lose to. They show up and play a very, very competitive game like they did against the Patriots and shock the world and win. And then the next week they play like crap against the Chargers and uh, in a game that they absolutely should win or they play crap against the Falcons in a game that they should win and then they lose. It's just so frustrating, man. The Broncos, the Broncos lost this game because they simply couldn't get off the field on third down. Their defense constantly got killed on second and long and third and long. I mean, they allowed this dude from the Falcons, this wide receiver who I have never, ever heard of in my entire life named Zacchaeus on third and 15 get a 50-plus-yard touchdown from Matt Ryan. And also on second and 14, he gets a 40-plus-yard gainer um, on second and 14. And then Christian Tate gets a 35-plus-yard uh, pass on second and 15. Those big plays absolutely killed the Denver Broncos in this football game. Uh, you just can't have that if you want to win in the NFL. And on offense, the Denver Broncos, they just couldn't get anything going in the first half again. That's been the theme of the Broncos' offense this entire year. They dig themselves a huge hole in the first half because their offense can't get anything going. And then they have to use all their energy to climb out of it in the second half. And then like they end up falling short and faltering and losing. The Denver Broncos' season is dead, Callan. It's over, man. If they couldn't beat the lowly Falcons, how do you expect to go into Vegas next week and beat the Raiders or beat the revitalized Miami Dolphins? And then after that, you've got to play the Buffalo Bills and then the Kansas City Chiefs. It's over, man. The Broncos will not win the AFC West this year. They will not make the playoffs this year. As far as I'm concerned, the Broncos AFC West title hopes are dashed. The Broncos' playoffs hopes are dashed. It's going to be another 7-9 or 6-10 losing season for the Denver Broncos. I am canceling the Broncos right now, Khaled. Two things here. For one, Isaiah cannot retract that pick because it's already been documented in our MI6 group spreadsheet for all of the predictions that we have for the division winners. And also, secondly, that is the record for the uh, quickest time I've had to put the shades on with Isaiah. Seven minutes is all it took for me to put the shades on on episode 20 here of the night shift. But in all seriousness, though, Isaiah, valid points, though. But I would also agree, though, man, that for, for a bit there, it's like, was this Denver playing or the Chicago Bears playing because of how terrible this offense looked once again? But I think, though, as mentioned, um, that uh, Tyler had a very, uh, very relevant point, though, here. Drew Locke is great, Isaiah, when the other team goes into a prevent defense because they have such a huge lead, pretty much, a.k.a. garbage time, pretty much. But I agree, though that this is, you know, anyone out there like Isaiah picking anybody but Kansas City to win the AFC West out of their minds across the board. That includes Isaiah. I mean, it's one thing to have faith in your in your organization, but just to go and pick against Kansas City for no reason like Isaiah did, 
to me, makes absolutely no sense because you know pretty well that for, for a while here, this is going to be KC versus the rest of the field for first place in the AFC West division at this rate. Uh, with that in mind, Isaiah, we'll go back over to you uh, with more about this ball game. What do you got for us? Yeah, um, another point that I wanted to make about this game is even though it was all bad for the Denver Broncos, there was a bright spot, and that is Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, the Broncos' first-round pick out of Alabama, he had his best game of his young career thus far. The guy had seven catches for 125 yards and even scored his first NFL touchdown. This guy is a beast. He's a great route runner. He's super fast. The Denver Broncos, they need to find a way to get this guy the ball because if they can find a way consistently to get Jerry Judy the ball, good things will happen because this guy is just such an explosive playmaker. Jerry Judy for sure could be an impact player, but I think that like Casey's on to a great point though. Isaiah Casey says they need a overhaul, probably in regards to maybe more players on offense, maybe a better defensive uh, mind perhaps, uh, minus Vic Fangio, but more so a better defensive coordinator. Also, um, Casey also writes in a great day for him. Seattle loses, Arizona loses, and the Chargers all lose today. Great day, and can't wait for next weekend's games to watch the Rams face Seattle in a big-time NFC West showdown. James Gonzalez, uh, rocking that top fan badge on Facebook, says that I'm uh, so impressed with that with Matt Ryan. I think he ran for 100 yards for the first time in his entire career today. And, it, it, of course, it comes on a field day against one of Isaiah's 20 billion teams he loves and admires so damn much. And also, Casey is asking Isaiah, where in the world did you come up with Denver winning the NFC, the uh, AFC West before the season started? Can I plead the fifth? No. I I was so optimistic because I like Vic Fangio as a head coach, and I've been really pushing for him to get a head coaching job, and he finally did a couple of years, or last year when he landed the Broncos head coaching gig. Um, the Denver Broncos had a great defense. They had um, Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb. They added Bryce Callahan. They added A.J. Boye. And then their offense, they really picked it up as the season went down the wire. You know, Drew Locke came in for those five games. They went 4-1. and one. He looked pretty good. And then they added Melvin Gordon. They added uh, Jerry Judy, who was one of the best – wide receivers in the draft. They added uh, Graham Glasgow, who was one of the top um, offensive linemen in the draft. So I was very optimistic about Denver and also thought that Kansas City, you know, they have a good offense. They have a great offense, actually, but their defense is very suspect. You know, they give up a lot of yards, whether it's on the ground or through the air. And I just thought the, uh, the Chiefs would have a Super Bowl hangover but, you know, the Chiefs have been off to a great start and their defense, you know, they're proving me wrong time and time again uh, this year with their bend, don't break defense. So there's your uh, your answer, Casey, pretty much uh, betting against the field. And also James agrees, though, that Denver's got to get Jerry Judy more involved, uh, much like Chicago, hopefully sometime soon getting Cole, uh, Cole Komet, hopefully sometime more involved. But again, folks, it is all about the Falcons beating the Denver Broncos on Sunday from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, 34-27 ATL over Denver. With that, Isaiah, probably the marquee game of the morning slate of games, the Seahawks and Bills from Bills Stadium out there in Orchard Park, New York. This game turned into a blowout, and it was uh, pretty much early in this ballgame, and it all rests pretty much on the uh, Bills winning this game pretty handily, 44-34 the Bills. 
shock the Seahawks on the road today, or at least shock them at home, I should say, as the Seahawks go west to east and falter with their second loss of the season. Isaiah, if anybody out there had, had perhaps second thoughts or maybe had overlooked uh, the play this year, uh, uh, the play in the career so far of Josh Allen, I think Josh Allen, Allen Proved a lot of people wrong in this game today with how he played with all the touchdowns. And he had three rushing touchdowns in this game and really picked apart a very, very dreadfully, painfully bad to watch Seahawk defense uh, in this game today. And as mentioned, pretty much Josh Allen was a knife going through butter today. He was smooth. He looked really good. And as mentioned, did it all today. Throwing the ball, passing the ball, phenomenal game for Josh Allen. Uh, Isaiah Thoughts as the Bills knock off Seattle and probably one of the um, – few upsets on this uh, Sunday in week nine of the NFL season? Well, for me, I didn't think it was an upset because I picked the Bills to win. Given the fact that, you know, the Seahawks were tra uh, traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast, and normally West Coast teams don't fare really good when it comes to, you know, having to travel from West to East and then play at 10 a.m. And also the fact that the Seahawks defense just sucks. They play, like, plain and simple, they suck. They, it just makes you, it just goes to show you how um, unacceptable and inexcusable Jimmy Garoppolo's performance last week against the Seahawks defense was when he only put up seven points on only 87 yards passing. I mean, this Seahawks defense is one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, I think Callen could probably throw a couple of touchdowns and even run for a couple of touchdowns on them because that's how dreadful they are. So I wasn't really surprised that the Bills won. Uh, my guy, Gabe Jackson, who has a really good point, told me in uh, our phone call today that this is how you beat the Seahawks. You beat the Seahawks by outgunning them. The Seahawks cannot win when like they cannot win when the other team like has a great offense because that uh, that other team's great offense will be able to score a, a boatload of points against the Seahawks defense because the Seahawks defense just can't stop anyone. So I like I think when it comes down to the postseason, I don't really see Seattle like going to the Super Bowl because I just don't think they can stop anybody. And if you can't stop the New Orleanses of the world, the Tampa Bays of the world, I don't care. Like if you have Russell Wilson, you're not going to win if you're consistently giving up 40 points a game. Definitely for sure. But Seattle's defense has been Swiss cheese. They've been sent through the meat grinder the past several weeks of the year, especially I think more so they were kind of in a way they were a bend but don't break defense in my mind, Isaiah, until they got exposed, I think, big time by the Cardinals, I'd say, maybe two weeks ago when they lost that game in overtime down in Glendale, Arizona. I think today, though, we're further picked apart in Swiss cheese today against Buffalo. But more so, Josh Allen, I think, uh, Isaiah, is the main talking point in my mind for this game. I mean, he outdueled. I think that Gabe Jackson was right, though, Isaiah. He outslung and he outthrew and outperformed Russell Wilson in so many different in so many different areas of this ball game today. But more so, I look at Josh Allen's game. But with the rushing TDs today, I mean, he had his way inside the fifteen or twenty yard line, and he found open space, man, and he was taking advantage of that of uh, of all the open field. Isaiah, more so, thoughts about Josh Allen's uh, performance today? More so for Buffalo. Uh, maybe perhaps, or not really maybe, but uh, you know, more so being the driving force of Buffalo's big-time win over Seattle on Sunday. Um, it was very impressive, but 
you know, I'm not surprised again because, you know, Kyler Murray did the same thing to the Seahawks defense. They can't stop the run. They can't um, stop a quarterback when he's, he's mobile and he can run. Uh, they can't rush the passer. So Josh Allen was getting hella time to throw the football. It just go. It just like shows you that the Seahawks defense is bad. I think this was more uh, bad Seahawks defense than good or great Buffalo Bills offense. So again, folks, as mentioned, but uh, Buffalo comes away with a very nice 44-34 victory over the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday from, uh, as mentioned, Orchard Park, New York. Some thoughts here. One quick thought actually rolled in uh, Isaiah from James about the Broncos. Maybe trading Von Miller and getting picks back could perhaps help the Broncos out in his mind. Also, thoughts about the Seahawks and Bills game from Mr. Gonzalez. Despite the injuries Seattle had, was very disappointed in the Seahawks today. I think a lot of people were, especially if you picked them perhaps in a in a in a pool, perhaps, or you put money on them. Also, James Gonzalez. But give credit though to Allen and the Bills for showing up today and showing why they are first in the AFC East. And I think that James though had a better point though, maybe a I'd say maybe two or four, uh, two to four weeks ago, James had a very valid point, though, when Buffalo had played New England, I believe. It may have been last week, I think. But James had probably the best comment of the uh, show on Sunday, either last week or two weeks ago, or in that time frame, when, in fact, the uh, Pats lost to Buffalo by saying that, that 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 game alone right there was pretty much the the visual evidence of it being the passing of the torch of the Patriots of 20-plus years of owning and destroying that division and everyone involved in that division for the past several years and for that and for the latter part of a decade or two decades, you actually saw that passing of the torch from the Pats to the new kids on the block and the Buffalo Bills. And I think that James had it said very well a couple of shows ago here on the sixth. And also Casey King. Bills are a good team and nice to see the AFC East. A changing of the guard. And the Bills, I think, will uh uh and I and uh, and the Bills, I think, with that dub in the end. Dolphins will get uh, will give them a push, and I think that the Bills are still better. I think I would agree, though. Although I've been impressed though with Tua Tagovailoa through th you know, pr pretty much two starts and one you know kind of fill in game, but that Buffalo right now it's Buffalo and Miami against New England and the Jets right now for that division title. And also James says amazing that it was a warm 68 degrees at game time in Orchard Park, New York today, and here we've had rain and freezing cold uh, temperatures and rain and wind out here in Southern California, and they're getting sunshine and nice weather back on the East Coast right now. But again, folks, as mentioned, it is, again, the Bills uh, in part of a very great game. And again, a very, uh, again, folks, more so in my mind, though, I know, of course, we, we, we probably have our thoughts about Seattle and how they have looked on defense. And I know that people probably have their thoughts about Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's performance today Super spectacular in my mind, as already mentioned here. But again, folks, it is Seattle uh, faltering to the Buffalo Bills, as mentioned, 44-34. Next game, Isaiah and company out there, the Ravens and Colts in a very good AFC showdown between uh, the Ravens and Colts from Lucas Oil Stadium out there in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Baltimore gets back on the winning ways after a tough setback versus the unbeaten uh, Steelers last week, they went 24-10 on the road against the Colts, where at one point, though, this game was a very, very physical battle more. So a lot of big hits in this ball game. But as mentioned, the Ravens were able to uh, pull this one out 24-10 over Indianapolis. Um, Isaiah, I think, though, very vital for Baltimore to get back on the winning ways after, of course, having that uh, pretty gut-wrenching loss to the Steelers 
about a week or so ago. And of course, the Colts still hanging around with a very good Tennessee ball club in the AFC South right now. Isaiah, overall takeaway from the Ravens road win over the Colts on Sunday. My biggest takeaway from this game is a tweet that I saw, I think it was during or after this game, where it says, when the Colts have to play catch-up, they are doomed. Plain and simple. The Colts, Phillip Rivers, he was a great quarterback when he was in San Diego, but he is no longer that guy that, you know, when you're down by like 14 or 17 late in that game, he can, you he can, you know, put your team on his back and lead your team to victory. That's not who Phillip Rivers is. I think Phillip Rivers is now more like Jimmy Garoppolo, where you have to have a good running game uh, in order for him to be successful. You have to have a good running game for him to be effective. Uh, I just think, you know, Phillip Rivers, he kept getting harassed today by the Ravens' dominant pass rush. Um he was 25 of 43 for 227 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. He just really, like, he put up good numbers, but he just couldn't uh, be effective because that Ravens pass rush was just swarming him all day long and forcing him to throw, get the ball out quick. And the coach, like, they just couldn't do anything on offense today. And you got to give credit where credit is due to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson against this really good coach defense – he was 19 of 23 for 179 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no picks. But he did have 13 carries, 58 yards rushing, and also one touchdown. He was pretty good in this game. But I think the biggest story in this game was how dominant the Ravens' pass rush was. Yeah, I think Baltimore's defense is mainly the winning, uh, you know, who gets the game ball in my mind for this victory by Baltimore. Again, though, they did, they'll bounce back nicely. But again, though, very rough start to this game, though, for both sides of the ball uh, with both the Colts and Ravens. Again, a very lackluster beginning, though. But James Gonzalez, Isaiah, has a very valid point, though. To start the game, the Ravens could not get anything going, but then they scored the defensive touchdown and then they were on their way. And again, I think more so, I think more so for me, this Baltimore win, it, to me, it's critical that they won this game, as mentioned, going into week nine, you know, and you're behind Pittsburgh again, who hasn't lost a game yet this season. And at the same time as well, you know, that sometimes a, a loss to a team like Pittsburgh, Isaiah, especially to a quarter like a quarterback of Lamar Jackson's caliber, that could stay in their head for a bit longer than a week. You know, that could be with them for a while and they probably make those same mistakes again, but more so. I think it was important, though, that uh, that uh, that Baltimore Got back on the winning ways, though, and got back on it right away, not waiting you know, another week or so to get back uh, with uh, winning games. Uh, Tyler Work writes in to say, after his playing career is done, Phillip Rivers might try selling instructional videos on how to properly tackle. Oh, my goodness gracious, man. We'll actually have a bit of a nod to Philip Rivers a bit later on in the show about that. But Isaiah, what do you have to add about this? Yes, sir. I was going to say the same thing. We're gonna we're gonna have more about that in our blooper of the week segment. Our new blooper of the week segment coming up in a bit. Make sure you guys tune in for that. Yeah. So I think uh, Tyler's hinting at maybe one of the uh, top five bloopers of the week. Uh, some more thoughts here. Casey said, oh, guys, the Battle of Baltimore. I, I still sometimes think that the Colts are still in Baltimore. I think a lot of people do. But when you're about as old as uh, these two guys on panel, like myself and Isaiah, you probably didn't re remember the Colts being in Baltimore. We always remember the Ravens and, of course, the Colts being in Indianapolis. And also, James has a very interesting question, Isaiah. The Marcus Peters interception was so questionable. 
How was it? Uh, how was that play a catch and control? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. I think Isaiah, this goes back to the point we had on Saturday night, though, more so, buddy, where we had talked a lot about the Clemson Notre Dame game and all the reviews that had gone on. Though that play was a very big head scratching play, as as there is and as there will be one more play I'll get to in the next game we'll talk about. But Isaiah, give us your thoughts here, maybe about that interception call again in uh, in regards to uh, the Marcus Peters INT for Baltimore in this ball game. Um, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it later on because like I was watching, I think one of the games on CBS and, uh, they flipped, like they showed a highlight of it, but it was really quick. But I just think that, you know, the interpret interpretation of what a catch is, is just really hard to identify because there's like so much definitions of what a catch is. So like, I, like I never like really saw like exactly what happened, but, I just think right now in the NFL, like nobody has a really clear cut answer of what exactly is a catch. Like every week you see something different. So like, I'm not really sure. Des Bryant had to ruin it for everybody with that one catch catch uh, against Green Bay in the playoffs many years ago, sadly. With that in mind, folks, speaking of Philip Rivers and his old employers, let's all folks sing along, shall we? The Chargers lose again. The Chargers lose again. 60 years of losing. The Chargers lose again. The Chargers lose again. The Chargers lose again. 60 years of losing. The Chargers lose again. And once again, folks, the Chargers find a way to once again lose in very, very unbelievable fashion the las vegas raiders hang on to win this game 31 26 after a very somewhat questionable touchdown call isaiah at the final buzzer of this game that was initially ruled a touchdown but then though was uh after review of the scoring play was ruled incomplete this comes by the way literally i think four seconds after we had a fourth timeout called for the chargers after mike williams was uh injured on a potential catching play or a potential touchdown play uh, he hit the ground pretty hard, though. But Isaiah, normally, though, man, in a situation like that, if there, if uh, if a team is out of timeouts, or if for, or if a player, I believe, on a on a team gets hurt in the waning two minutes of the game, there has to be a 10 second runoff of the game clock. But the referee, per his explanation, said that because it was a dead ball play when he was hurt, the clock would not run out to end the ball game. Then we had, of course, the potential game-winning touchdown catch that was ruled a catch on the field, though. But after review, though, uh, after review, the refs get it right, though, where, again, the ball was juggled and then was uh, um, uh, hit the turf after the receiver came down with it, perhaps inbounds, out of bounds. But Isaiah, either way, though, the L.A. Chargers once again find a way to break their fans' hearts. And uh, once again, Isaiah, it's another late, devastating Charger loss in the dying minutes of a ball game. And the Raiders now move themselves into a good spot now in second place in the AFC West division. Isaiah, overall thoughts on the Raiders. Uh, thanks to their defense and uh, the luck of video review, uh, knocking off the uh, L.A. Chargers on Sunday from SoFi Stadium. John Gruden and the Raiders are extremely lucky to be 5-3. and three. They This one was way too close for comfort, man. It was... You had to rely on replay to, um, to you know, confirm the fact that like you or to give you the victory. 
I just think the Raiders, their offense played very well. But like we've been saying all year long, it's their defense. The Raiders will go as far as their defense takes them. And the Raiders defense, they were up, I believe, 28 to 17 in the fourth quarter. And their defense just gave up. Um, their defense just gave up a bunch of points towards the end, and they didn't play that good. They, they didn't really get that much pressure in, um, in Justin Herbert's face the entire day. Their secondary, besides Jonathan Abram, uh, didn't really play that well. Jonathan Abram was a beast, especially uh, in the running game. Uh, just watch that tackle that he had when I believe it was it was Joshua Kelly that ran the ball, and he had like a huge hole, but – Jonathan Abram came from the left side all the way to the right side and hit him super hard and knocked him down. And he saved a what would have been a huge play for the Chargers. Um, and, you know, he's going to be a great safety in the NFL for a long, long time. But the Raiders, they got to fix that defense quickly because, you know, I know they're in playoff position right now. But if the Raiders, they want to win a playoff game and if they want to go far in the playoffs, they have to fix that defense because you can't win if your defense continuously to play poor like they have been doing the entire year. Yeah, I definitely agree. Although I'm going to give some some uh, love here, though, to Derek Carr, though, because Derek Carr had some very sensational throws, though, in this ball game. I think he had a touchdown pass uh, that went for or at least on a drive, though, he had a 53 yard pass. That was an absolute beaut in in between traffic and Derek Carr. Minus a couple of maybe some minor miscues uh, throughout the course of the game. They'll look very well in this game. But I agree, though, more so, I say, with the Raider defense. You know, the Raiders, the Bears, uh, you know, those are two franchises in my mind that are always known for sensational or very intimidating defensive, uh, you know, defenses. And that was Seattle for a bit, probably not right now, Casey for a bit, the Raiders and the Bears. Those four clubs in my mind have always been hallmarks uh, in regards to how, in fact, uh, their defense is played. But at the same time, though, I agree, though, that the defense, again, defense wins you championships. Like Pat Summit, the great women uh, women's basketball coach at Tennessee, once said a long, long time ago that your defense can only, you know, your defense will carry you and that the Raiders, of course, have some holes to probably patch up, though, on the defensive end. Some thoughts here about this game. Uh, Casey King changes my lyrics to the renters lose again. The renters lose again. Either way, though, it's still 60 years of losing. Uh, continues on and on for the L.A. Chargers. James Gonzalez agrees that, Callan, that song is literally music to my ears. I think a lot of people agree. Uh, also, James says, as a Raider fan, I was so relieved on the review to overturn the call. I mean, even uh, Isaiah, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you saw the final, the ending of this, of this game, though, but honestly... If I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad though that the NFL does go the route of reviewing scoring plays though for reasons of this nature though because you know what would have happened though if this play would have stood though and then you know the Raiders lose a game in this kind of fashion though but I think Isaiah uh, props for one for the NFL the for the NFL going the route of having scoring plays reviewed but also though man uh, credit goes though to the uh, uh, replay official and the referee and crew though for getting this call right after review of the play. Yeah, I completely agree with you because if they, you know, didn't have replay and this was the Chargers game winning touchdown, all the Raider fans would probably be march or they would be like, you know, in their cars driving to NFL headquarters to protest because like to lose when like like it, it obviously wasn't clear at first when he first like caught on TV, 
but you could see it on the third replay where the ball clearly bounces on the ground and he goes and collects it. So to lose that way, that would have been terrible, but I am glad the Raiders uh, were able to uh, pull this one off. Yeah, definitely. So I think props go to the replay officials for seeing that angle that I think we all saw on, on television to overturn that touchdown call. Also, Casey, with a very interesting question, Isaiah, can either of you guys confirm that fans were at this game? Did not see the game, but I heard they had Charger fans in the stadium. Any truth to that? Casey, I'm going to have to say as of now, I'm going to say no due to the California COVID-19 protocol rules in place right now by the governor's office that fans cannot attend ball games right now uh, unless they reach a certain threshold or a certain tier color for how we have uh, uh, right now. But Isaiah, I don't recall seeing anybody in the stands. I recall seeing a lot of uh, tarps, though, like we usually have seen, though, at SoFi Stadium. There may have been perhaps uh, maybe the crowd noise could have been a bit more piped in louder than it probably was. But Casey, I will go with uh, cannot confirm uh, any fans at this game today. Isaiah, anything to add on about this? Because I know that, of course, there's been obviously a lot of uh, banter about the uh, rules in place in California. But I do not believe that I saw any fans actually in the stands at SoFi Stadium today. Well, when I watched the game, um, they didn't really show like the parts where I watched it. They didn't really show the uh, the stands. They just showed the field. But from what I was hearing, you know, when the ch Chargers, every time a penalty went on the Chargers, I did hear booing, which really confused me because normally when they did, when they do pipe in the crowd noise, you don't hear booing, but I did hear like a lot of booing. And I was thinking like, is there fans because they're, there is booing coming in, but maybe because like they piped in some booing sounds, like I don't know, but that's what I'll say about it. Yeah, Casey, I mean, it's a it's a very valid point, though, but I believe with the rules in place, and especially right now in Los Angeles County, they're in the most restrictive tier right now of the COVID rules in place for the state, uh, which I'll be in, uh, in San Diego probably come Tuesday. But basically, you're not allowed to have fans in a stadium for pro or college games, I believe until I think Isaiah, the orange or the top tier. So the top two tiers, I believe, is where you can actually have fans in. But right now, if you're in the bottom two, you're not allowed to have spectators at a game, though. So in, in my mind, it may have been that the crowd noise may have been a little bit more louder, and they may have perhaps added some booing uh, tracks to the audio as opposed to like random just crowd banter or random crowd noise, though. But I believe that it was more so perhaps a bit more amplified, but also as well... Um, that uh, it was probably as well, perhaps some new uh, buttons that they were pushing in the DJ booth. Also some thoughts from James Gonzalez. Corey Littleton, Isaiah, has been awful as one of the free agent signings on the Raider defense. And also James says, ever since I put down Derek Carr weeks ago, he's been stepping up to the plate. And I think that usually happens nine times out of 10. I think though as well, Isaiah, that I think that Derek Carr would probably agree though. The Raiders probably in his mind probably have expectations for once because for one, you're in a brand new market, brand new stadium, brand new city for one as well uh, with you being in Vegas and also that you want to make that city proud of because I think in a way, this is very off base in my mind, but Isaiah, knowing though that you're going into a new market that already has one successful franchise on the pro level with the Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL, another very uh, successful franchise in the uh, Las Vegas Aces in the, in the uh, WNBA, you kind of have to live to that to that expectation of being great and not being mediocre or bad in your first season when you um, uh, moved to that market. But Isaiah, 
Would you agree, though, perhaps that Derek Carr and the uh, Raiders realize that they are in a brand new spot, though, and in a way have some very lofty expectations to live, to live up to, more so because of the other teams in town already in Las Vegas? Yeah, I believe it because, you know, the Raiders, Vegas, they have so many things going on. They have the casinos, they've got the hotels, they've got different shows going on at the hotels, they've got the Golden Knights. They're kind of like Los Angeles where, you know, if you don't have success, the fans can just easily move on to something else. They don't have to, you know, watch you play football, like play bad football. So the Raiders, obviously, this season, they had to get off to a good start. They have to make the playoffs this season because if they make the playoffs this season, then fans will get excited. Fans will buy tickets. Fans will buy season tickets. They will come to games next season, hopefully, when there is fans allowed. And, you know, I also want to bring up one thing, Callan, and that is – can we start can we start putting Cleveland Farrell as a bust? Cleveland Farrell was the Raiders defensive end who they drafted, I believe, with the fourth overall pick. I, I might be wrong on the exact pick, but they surprised a whole lot of people back in, I think it was 2017, when they trade when they drafted Cleveland Farrell. And this guy, I've watched him play. He hasn't really gotten pressure like in the three, two, three seasons that he's been with the Oakland Raiders and then now the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, I get the fact that he did um, get a, a stop on fourth down, but he hasn't really done anything for the Raiders uh, in the time that he's been there. Also, some more thoughts. Uh, James agrees about the Raider defense. They are awful. Was hoping for some improvement. James echoes the sentiments, though, about Casey, wondering about fans being in the stadium today in Inglewood. Mario Lopez ugh, and his family somehow got into the game courtesy of, eh, I won't even say the owner's name. You know, and here Mario Lopez is from San Diego, California, and he turned his back on all the, on all the sports teams here, including the pod race for the, uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, James more so adds on real quick about the uh, fans, uh, fans perhaps being inside of SoFi Stadium today, folks. Uh, but James says no fans there. The fan noise was just from the PA system. Only time you'll hear a cheer for the Chargers at their home games. Yeah, pretty much. Also, James says, I was hoping that the Raiders would have went to the playoffs for Oakland last season. But, of course, they didn't. Left Oakland on a very sour note again. I'm going to change the song, Isaiah. The Raiders leave again. The Raiders leave again. Once again, stabbing some city in the back. Pretty much is where it's at right here and right now. Also, James says that Farrell still doesn't have a sack this season. So frustrating. Also, Casey agrees uh, that the Raiders need more defense. And Dr. Ted Vicky writes in, sounded like more Steeler fans inside of AT&T Stadium. We'll actually get to that, uh, Dr. Vicky. But I believe more so listening to the game on radio today uh, on 1360 here in San Diego, Ted. Believe what they were saying about 75% of the fan base that was in uh, Jerry's world was actually... Steeler fans, very impressive again from the uh, very uh, well-traveled Steeler fan base. And also, Casey says the Raiders are still Oakland to me. It is what it is, but they definitely, I think, fit the Vegas culture and the Vegas scene. Isaiah, what do you got for us? Um, another thing I want to add about the Raider game is that, listen, I am tired of all the hate that Derek Carr gets. Yes, Derek Carr might not be the flashiest quarterback in the world. He might not have... Patrick Mahomes' arm where he can throw a ball 50 yards down the field. He might not have Lamar Jackson's legs where he can, you know, run around, make guys miss, 
But this guy is a consistent top 10 quarterback in the NFL. This guy might not be flashy, but he can get the job done. And I really like hope that people stop hating on Derek Carr because if you look at his stats, this guy doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, he hasn't like he's I think he's only had one interception uh, in the last two, three games. I might be wrong on that, but this guy doesn't turn the ball over. He can make make good plays. That's all you basically need in a quarterback. I mean, and again, it's probably a lot of things, though, where it's not really, you know, he hasn't looked good, though. But I think, though, a playoff appearance probably changes people's narratives about him. But again, you got to kind of get there first. But again, the Raiders, thanks to a overturned touchdown at the final buzzer, knock off the L.A. Chargers from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, 31-26. Next game, Isaiah. Another very interesting ball game with the Steelers for the first time in franchise history. The Steelers are now 8-0 and for the first time in club history. They knock off the... Uh, Dallas Cowboys, who fought to the final buzzer pretty much with 24-19. Pittsburgh knocks off Dallas in a very interesting game, Isaiah, that again sees the Steelers for the first time in club history go to 8-0 and on the uh, season. And again, that's the first time in franchise history that Pittsburgh finds themselves at 8-0. and But Isaiah, I will, though, man, probably be one of the very few people to give props, though, to Garrett Gilbert for nearly pulling off the perhaps biggest ups of the entire NFL season, in my mind. With the, with the Cowboys having all their issues, all their woes, all their injuries, and all the quarterback issues that they've had recently. And Garrett Gilbert nearly uh, won this game up until the uh, pass was batted down. That would have perhaps uh, set them up to win the ball game uh, at the dying seconds of the fourth quarter. But Isaiah, the Steelers are now 8-0, as mentioned, buddy. A great game, though. But at the same time, Isaiah, uh, Sally for Dallas, they lose once again. And with that in mind, Isaiah, your thoughts about this game are what? My thoughts on this is that Minka Fitzpatrick single-handedly won this game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they need to send Minka Fitzpatrick like another bonus check or uh, maybe a $50 gift card to a restaurant or something like that because he deserves it. This guy is one of the best safeties in the NFL. And today, the Dallas Cowboys, they lost 24-19, to but they had – Two possessions where they could have easily won this game. The first possession was in the second quarter. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, they were driving down to try to score a touchdown. It was, I believe it was second and goal. And, you know, Garrett Gilbert throws a pass and it is picked off by Minka Fitzpatrick to prevent the Dallas Cowboys from scoring any points there. And then on another drive, uh, Garrett Gilbert throws a pass. He throws it kind of high. It gets tipped in the air, intercepted by Minka Fitzpatrick. Steelers, they get the football at, I believe, the they get the football at the Cowboys 47 with just under 40 seconds to go before halftime. The Cowboys could have easily drove down the field, got a couple of more points before halftime, but Minka Fitzpatrick prevented it both times. Minka Fitzpatrick needs to be given some extra gifts or and an extra check because he clearly earned it today. I'm sure he'll be fine with the game ball and their eight straight win. Again, the first time at the Steelers in their franchise history, again, illustrious franchise history of the Steelers are eight or no for the first time, as mentioned. But again, I think, though, Isaiah, that James Gonzalez said it right, though. Props to Dallas, though, for leading in the game. I was thinking a Steelers blowout. A lot of people probably were thinking about that, but more so, Isaiah. I look at this, though, at Garrett Gilbert more so doing his damnedest to keep this Cowboys, you know, sinking ship somewhat afloat, though, during a very rough time, though. Again, they've been 
to their four-string quarterback, now their fifth-string quarterback, perhaps, and of course, they come up short. But at the same time, though, they hung in there with the right now best team in the NFL record-wise, at least. Now they're eight and zero on the season, but again, a seven or no Pittsburgh ball club. But again, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick with one hell of a game though for Pittsburgh, uh, and really, I think is uh, more so the reason why though this game was won by the. Uh, Steelers today more so than anything else. Also, uh, some thoughts, Isaiah, about relocation. Chardol writes in that the Warriors should still be in Oakland, and he'll, of course, miss going to or uh, Oracle Arena, and also that they move to San Francisco. But at the same time, though, I I mean, I get that, Isaiah, but at the same time, they're still being called Golden State, so I don't really see that as a that big of a ordeal. I don't see that either. Plus, the fact is, is that uh, – the Chase Center is a very nice arena, and they're going to get tons and tons of money coming in just from that arena alone. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Also, Dr. Vicky, uh, Vicky is questioning Isaiah. Only 50 bucks? I, I got to change that. I misspoke. Give him a $500 gift card. That not sounds a more reasonable. Gift. That sounds more reasonable. Also, <laughs> James Gonzalez also says that Mika Fitzpatrick is a beast. And also, James, with a very good point, though, Isaiah, seems like whenever a well-traveled team comes into Jerry's world, the road team fans take over, as if Cowboy fans sell their tickets to that road team coming in. Sounds like uh, my hometown with the Chargers when they knew that the ownership was on their way out to go to Los Angeles. Um, notably, when the Steelers came to San Diego a couple of times, even when they went to uh, went to L.A., they uh, took over the team and they, and they were singing, you know, Renegade by Sticks so damn loud, and they even tried to Rick roll them, you know, with, uh, um, you know, Rick rolled them. And that of course didn't come to fruition. Even Chicago had a very good following uh, out here in San Diego as well, which I found to be very awesome as well. And also Steven says real quick about an upcoming game, death taxes, Tampa Bay, not winning the NFC South division. We'll talk about that game folks in just a moment, but one more game, Isaiah, probably the uh, other good game in the afternoon window Tua versus Kyler. Dolphins over the Cardinals, 34-31 in a great ball game between two very young, budding superstar quarterbacks in my mind in the very distant, or hopefully not too distant future, Isaiah. Again, 34-31 in favor of the Dolphins, who uh, so far, Isaiah, they're kind of creeping a little bit in the AFC East. Probably not going to win the division title, though, but I think, Isaiah, this could be a ball club if things keep going according to plan and nothing further gets out of control. This Dolphins team is going to be in the mix, as is Arizona in my mind. Isaiah, probably the uh, one of the better games on the day so far. But Isaiah, your overall thoughts, though, on this game. As mentioned, Tua outduels Kyler 34-31 Miami over Arizona. You said it right, Callan. The Dolphins have something special building down, down there in South Beach. I mean, they've got their quarterback. They've got a good offensive weapons offensive line needs a little bit more work but hey they've got a tons of tons of draft picks coming in the next few years brian flores has built a great culture down there in miami um i think that he's probably going to be the first coach out of the bill belichick coaching tree to have major success running his own franchise. The defense is getting better. I am just so excited for the Miami Dolphins future. They have a bright, bright future down in Miami. And they, they're just a couple, not, I, I, yeah, I would say they, will, they are probably like three to four pieces away from seriously contending in the AFC. 
Some thoughts here, Isaiah, real quick about this game. James Gonzalez writes in, I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is getting double teamed by defenses, but Arizona has got to get Hopkins the ball so much more than what they're doing. Isaiah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's necessarily the coverage that's going on, but at the same time, though, I, I think that probably that, you know, a, a coach in Cliff Kingsbury, Isaiah, in my mind, is just trying his best to get this thing to work, though. But I think, though, that James on to a good point, though. But I think as more time goes on, though, you'll see D-Hop be more involved in the Arizona offense very, very shortly. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I also, uh, to James's point or James's question, I think he is getting double teamed a lot because from the games that I've watched, I remember Seattle, they double teamed him. Uh, the Rams, I believe, double-teamed him as well. There were a lot of teams, like, they're putting their main focus on defense in trying to, de to defend DeAndre Hopkins, which I think is letting Larry Fitzgerald be the Larry Fitzgerald of old that we know and love. So I think, like, D-Hop's going to get it going. He's a beast. I just think that right now he's getting used to the offense and also used to the fact that, you know, he's getting the bulk of the attention of opposing defenses. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I think it's more so that respect factor that you garner in your time too, that, you know, when you're a, uh, a big name player like Hopkins, I think you uh, get that respect though, with, it, with you perhaps being double team more so a respect thing than anything else. Isaiah, what do you got to add on? Also, the Cardinals have a ton of weapons at their disposal. They have a good running back in Kenyon Drake. They got Kyler Murray who can do things with his arm and his legs. They uh, At wide receiver, they've got Larry Fitzgerald, who's a future Hall of Famer. They've got Christian Kirk. They have DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's the fact that he's getting double teamed and also the fact that there's just a lot of weapons around him. So, like, he's not getting, you know, the bulk load of uh, the touches. James is right. Yep. Christian Kirk has been exactly. balling out for the Cardinals this season. Ron Davis writes, and the Steelers are dead to me forever. I would like to know why, Mr. Davis, as to why they are dead to you forever. But again, folks, uh, great game. <laughs> but the uh, Dolphins, uh, in a battle of future NFL superstars, the Dolphins knock off the Cardinals from Glendale 34-31. The Finns over the cards. Final game of the night, Isaiah. The uh, big primetime game on NBC, as mentioned, it was the Saints- and the Bucks in a battle for the top spot in the NFC South division. With that in mind, Isaiah, sadly, man, I got to put the shades back on because, folks, you're looking at the only MI6 Sports Network host who picked the Saints to go in and march on into Tampa and beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone else went with Tampa Bay. I went with New Orleans and the Saints handily uh, dismantle Tampa Bay 38 to 3. Saints over Tampa Bay in this game was not even close. A 31-0 halftime lead for New Orleans and a very, very dismal performance by Tom Brady, who had a night to forget so out of control. Isaiah that Jameis Winston Winston came into this ballgame as uh, uh came into this game to uh, to play with New Orleans. But Isaiah, this I think though, man, just shows though but that. You know, Tom Brady is good in all man, or he's, you know, he's obviously, you know, one of the greatest of all time and things of that caliber. But Isaiah, sometimes though, man, there's those quarterbacks out there that get the best of Tom Brady and Drew Brees has probably been that one major or maybe one of those rare thorn in the sides of Tom Brady in his career. And again, Tom with probably his worst game of the season and probably one of his worst games in recent memory. But Isaiah, an absolutely amazing game for the Saints, though. They sweep the season series, and now, though, man, have that all-important head-to-head tiebreaker now over 10 Bay for the teams and a tie for the NFC South Division. But, Isaiah, give us your thoughts here as the Saints go marching in 
and crush Tampa Bay 38-3 from the new Sombrero in Tampa, Florida. This was an absolute shocker, Khaled. I honestly thought that, you know, I was sleeping comfortably in my bed and dreaming uh, during this entire game. I could not believe what I witnessed. Coming into this game, it was being hyped as one of the best games of the season. You had Brady versus Breeze, two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL going at it. And also you had two high-powered offenses with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and the newly acquired Antonio Brown with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette on the Bucks going up against Drew Breeze, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara on the New Orleans Saints, and two Great offensive minds going at it. Bruce Arians on the Bucks versus Sean Payton on uh, the New Orleans Saints. This had this had it all written as a classic, but instead it turned out to be an absolute snooze fest. Um, my biggest uh, question for the Bucks and Bruce Arians, the Byron Leftwich, their offensive coordinator, is why did you not rely on the running game more in this game? I think they only ran the ball for five times, and two of those uh, final or two of those five times came when Blaine Gabbert took a knee to end the ball game. Like the Buccaneers, from what I've watched against Green Bay and when they played the New York Giants, they've been running the football very efficiently. And, yeah, they've been running the football very efficiently. And when they run the football very good, they have success. Because then Tom Brady doesn't need to, you know, like air the ball out 500,000 times. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers should have stuck with their bread and butter the last few weeks, which is just run the football and, you know, get into third and manageable and let Tom Brady throw it out to Mike Evans, throw it out to uh, Antonio Brown, throw it out to Chris Godwin instead of passing the ball so many times. I don't know what the game plan like was uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Bruce Arians was just trying to, you know, be a, like try to have a flashy offense, but you don't need to be flashy. Who cares if you're flashy? It's all about winning games. And right now, this season, what we've seen is that when you have success is when you are running the ball very well. And also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their offensive line, they need to come back as soon as possible. Uh, the, the New Orleans Saints pass rush was just swarming Tom Brady all night long. Trayvon Henderson was fantastic. Marcus Davenport was uh, fantastic. Those two on the edge are a scary duo for the New Orleans Saints. And the New Orleans Saints tonight sent a loud and clear message to the rest of the NFL saying, hey, don't forget about us. We are still a very good team. We might have had we might have struggled uh, earlier in the season, but we are still a very good ball club. I agree. That's why I went that's why I went with New Orleans, because as I have said plenty of times, folks, is that a team like Tampa Bay just being, you know, kind of in a way being built like a super team, though, again, with Brady, Gronk, and all these weapons, sometimes results don't come right away. Yes, Tampa's look good, though, but when you have a more experienced, I wouldn't even say experienced, but more so a team that's been together for a longer time together than just inserting two, you know, two puzzle pieces into the mix, though, it, it takes that time. And I think that's why I went more so with New Orleans in this game. I know, of course, that Tampa you know, had all these weapons and they were playing hot football though. But, you know, the Saints though made this, you know, made this, you know, prime time, you know, showdown into pretty much, you know, a, a snooze fest. And as, you know, as Isaiah said, more so a snooze fest and a laugher more than anything else that was mentioned, a 38-3 win for New Orleans again, who handily takes down Tampa Bay without any issues in this game. 
Uh, some other thoughts that rolled in, Isaiah, about the Dolphins. James agrees, though. Props to the Dolphins, predicted uh, predicted to being a bottom five team and shocking everybody uh, being in the race right now. Uh, Ron Davis did actually say why the Steelers are dead to him forever. Cannot celebrate his Raiders winning because the Steelers cost him 440 bucks in Vegas. Ouch. Oh, yikes. That one hurts. Uh, Tyler agrees with Isaiah about Miami being a few pieces away. If they could develop more of a running game, they could really make that jump to the next level. Definitely agree with that. Uh, I mean, they're maybe one big piece away from being becoming a very scary team. And also, James, about the uh, Saints walloping the Bucks. Prime time became nap time. Yikes. Yeah, it definitely became nap time. Uh, well, again, the Saints were up 31-0 at halftime of this ballgame. Casey King, Tampa for sure. Uh, sure forgot to show up. Brady really showed his age being out there today. Uh, that's definitely uh, a very valid point as well. James also writes in Saints, will, uh, Saints still with the stranglehold on the NFC South division as Tampa in his mind is not ready for prime time right now at this juncture. Also, shareable Stephen Wang writes in, Jameis Winston against his former team. I emoji. We'll see how things go. Uh, Casey thought the game was so out of control. He turned the game off in the third quarter and tuned into the USC Trojans Tunnel Vision podcast. Good spot. I listen to a lot of our podcast, actually, when I'm asleep at night or if I'm bored during the course of a football game like this. And also, Stephen Wayne with the, stat, with the uh, big stat. Breeze is now 5-2 and two all-time in his career versus Tom Brady when they've uh, matched up so far this season. Also, that James agrees with Isaiah. It seemed to him that the Bucs were throwing right away with uh, the passing offense. But again, folks, the Saints uh, go marching in, quite literally, and destroy and wallop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38-3 to in favor of the Saints over Tampa Bay to sweep the two-game NFC South uh, matchups this season. And uh, Isaiah, I agree with this message to the uh, Tampa Bay Bucs. Please run the ball. It's not that damn difficult. I definitely agree. Of course, folks, before we, in fact, get to our final segments here, we would we would be very remiss, folks, if we, if we did not, of course, uh, report the uh, very sad news on this Sunday, November the 8th, 2020. But, of course, folks, a uh, legend of television game shows for over 30-plus years, the one and only Alex Trebek, of course, from Jeopardy for a bit there, hosting Double Dare and other programs. Sadly, folks, Alex, uh, again, came out very publicly with his uh, bout with pancreatic cancer. And Sally, folks, Alex Trebek passed away earlier on Sunday morning uh, at his home in Los Angeles, surrounded by family and friends, uh, reported by the Jeopardy Twitter account today. You know, Isaiah, for a long time, I, for one, grew up always enjoying watching game shows on television. I would wait around until 7 o'clock and watch Wheel of Fortune with Pat and, and Vanna, then watch Alex host Jeopardy at 7.30 on our NBC station down here. Still do that every once in a while. But also, though, Isaiah, more so, you think about, though, the number of tributes coming in, though, from the sports world. And also, Alex being a very, you know, uh, being a Canadian, uh, I believe he actually was uh, one of the people who introduced a draft pick for the Ottawa Senators at this year's NHL entry draft just about two months ago, roughly. And that Alex, of course, loved hockey, was a big hockey fan. Uh, there's a photo I shared, I think, on my Instagram story today of him wearing his super, you know, with gloves on and a stick and a jersey on. Isaiah, I, I think I also saw somewhere, too, that there was a, a fellow colleague of mine, I think, out there that put on the web that watching Jeopardy was how he would learn about subjects and kind of get better in school and that people use Jeopardy or watched his program to get better at certain subjects in school or, 
you know, maybe you play with your family or maybe you play with your family uh, at nighttime. You know, I, me and my folks, me and my great grandmother would, you know, would watch Wheel of Fortune, The Price is Right. Uh, let's make a deal or watch these game shows and try to, you know, play and play along with them. But also that Alex Trebek, though, Isaiah, he, you know, did such a stellar job, though, of hosting Jeopardy, hosting other programs, but also that in a way, though, this was a way for us to kind of help educate ourselves better in history or science or other avenues of life, though. And uh, I guess, Isaiah, uh, your reaction also, uh, how will you remember Alex Trebek? Again, as uh, mentioned, folks, uh, sadly, the great Jeopardy host, again, passing away on Sunday after, again, a very public battle with cancer uh, earlier on Sunday morning. Just absolutely sucks, man. Um, I didn't. I didn't see this news until you posted it on your store, uh, your Facebook story, Callan. And then that's when I got notified of it. Um, it just, it just really sucks. You know, it shows you like it cancer, cancer sucks. And I really wish that, you know, we could get a cure for cancer. We could find a cure because, you know, it's taking so many lives in our world and it took another life today. Alex Trebek was just a tremendous person. He was so kind. Um, he was a great influencer. He was a great teacher. Um, like among the tributes that I saw Callan was that, you know, like you said, you know, Alex Trebek, people from watching Jeopardy, they learned about and they got better at certain subjects. Also, I saw on Twitter that this guy that, played uh jeopardy or he appeared on the jeopardy show um he thanked alex trebek i think this was in the final credits when like i think he won uh i don't know if he won or lost the jeopardy game but he thanked alex trebek because he told him that he learned english because of watching jeopardy that's how he learned english and that show was just a huge influence to everyone i'm pretty sure um our fans watching our show right now uh they they they've been influenced by jeopardy in some sort of way and they can tell their story um but you know it's just really sad that cancer takes another person and takes someone that was just such a great guy and just such a great influencer you know, folks, you may notice in my studio, probably not the best with the lights being out here, but there's two placards up on my bedroom wall behind me here. And all the organizations I work for, mainly with the San Diego Gulls and the San Diego Seals of pro hockey and pro lacrosse, every year, folks, we get these cards in November or in February or January to fill out. And we do a pretty much what Major League Baseball does with the whole Santa to Cancer Initiative, though. But we write names down on these placards and we have a stoppage in play. And we all stand and we have these cards up. And again, we have all the stuff going on and we have jersey sales that are purple or pink to raise awareness about breast cancer or cancer in general. Or you uh, see things like this go on, folks, in pro sports. And, you know, for uh, the names up there for me is uh, my great grandfather, uh, Ron Callen, again, former Staff Sergeant U.S. Marine Corps, who's also on my Tree of Life tattoo right here where my finger's at. Uh, Joe Weirich, who is um, one of my friends. Uh, her stepdad passed away from cancer. Uh, one of my other friends, Mia McPoland, she suffers from, from a rare form of, of uh, blood cancer. And I think that's everybody up there. But, you know, in a way, though, we all have been touched, though, folks, by cancer. And again, it sucks to see like a guy like Alex Trebek, though, sadly uh, succumbed to uh, his illness. And again, Alex was very public with his 
uh, diagnosis and with his battle with it, but also was still, though, much like folks, much like Chadwick Boseman, though, was still filming episodes of Jeopardy and still going to work and getting through it every single passing day. And also, as mentioned, Alex Trebek, though, probably a big influence, though, folks, as well with sports. Well, I think as well, Isaiah, that the Lakers put out a video today that Trebek actually filmed a message for Kobe during his final home game at Staples Center in 2016. So it just shows you, Isaiah, that, yeah, Trebek's known as, you know, you know Trebek is known for being a great game show host, but, you know, this guy loves sports and, of course, man, was a big, 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 big hockey fan. Yeah, man, it's this guy loves sports. Um, he influenced a lot of people. Uh, without him, you know, he, I mean, he just made such a big di Im uh, impact in our world. And it just really sucks that, you know, he's gone now and that cancer just takes another person. Just, I'm just devastated, man. Yeah, sad news to report, as mentioned, folks, uh, the great Jeopardy host again, the uh, the man himself, Alex Trebek, sadly passing away, folks, today at the age of uh, 80. I uh, believe it was 80 years old today. If I'm wrong about that, I sincerely apologize. But again, folks, very uh, sad news. Nonetheless, some thoughts here about Alex Trebek and his career. First from Casey King. Alex was a class act and was a great host for Jeopardy and also was a great host for the uh, uh, great host of Classic Concentration back in the 80s and 90s. He will be missed. RIP to Mr. Trebek. James Gonzalez with a great story. James says, my mom would not let me watch certain things on television, but sports, PBS, and game shows were allowed. I grew up with Alex Trebek weekly watching with my mom, trying to guess the correct answers and learning so much. Do you remember uh, balling out on the sports and music questions on the show? Uh, I, anything with sports, I'm pretty much good with. And we'll see how things, of course, go. Also, Shareable Steve writes in, uh, RIP to Mr. Trebek. Both of my grandfathers were taken from cancer. It's a devastating illness. Again, that echoes Isaiah's point also as well. Uh, James says that Trebek was so easy, uh, host, uh, was so easy going, hosting Jeopardy, and even adding a little humor during the course of the program. I think that the greatest clip that was put out, though, by Bleacher Report was of the entire football segment, I think, and literally none of the, none of the contestants guessed. And Alex had a funny quip, though, of like, I see you guys don't watch a lot of uh, sports or pro football and that he knew it was not going to be a very good category. So as mentioned about that dry humor or humor that James echoes, Casey also writes in that Trebek was also a huge USC fan as well. Jeopardy would, uh, won't be the same without him. Also, Chardol writes in about uh, his thoughts. Was really sad to hear about the passing of um, Alex Trebek and, I'm a, a big, and also am a big fan of the program. Really liked watching it and he was a really great down-to-earth person and had an iconic career and represented a calm joy of knowledge and also uh, was very uh, gentle, uh, gentlemanly uh, demeanor and seemingly kind soul. He used intelligence playfully and also encouraging and also encouragingly as well. Very well said by Shardol. And also James says, uh, not the news I wanted to wake up to on this Sunday morning. Definitely agree. But again, folks, all the best to Alex Trebek and his family and friends. Uh, with that, folks, we won't we will not get out of here on a bad note. We're bringing folks back. What do you folks have wanted to bring back, folks? It is time to get into uh, the uh, Night Shift's bloopers of the week. With that, folks, we're going in inverse uh, order from five to one here on our blooper reels today. With that in mind, folks, we'll start off with number five, which includes our own Isaiah Leung. Number five is called Damn It, Damn It, Damn It. Come on, hey, Steve, go, 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 first down. 
All right, Isaiah, you are the fifth blooper of the week for us here. What do you got to explain yourself about this? Well, you know, Callan, that is the joy of victory and the agony of defeat combined into one video. I mean, I was watching the Niners-Packers game, and, you know, I had thought that Jamichael Hasty had ran for a 15-yard gain in a first down, which we desperately needed because our offense was so horrifically bad in that game. We couldn't do anything. So I was like, yeah, that's a first down. And all of a sudden, I see that yellow flag, that dreaded yellow flag on the turf. And I'm like, oh, God, that is going to be a hold because you know like 99% of the time when there's a big rod and then there's a flag, that's always a hold. So it, it, it sucked, but hey, man, it's the joy of victory and the agony of defeat all in one clip. And I'm happy to make history as the first blooper in our MI6 blooper or, M, or the night shift blooper of the week segment. So Isaiah is at number five on this list. We'll go now, folks, to number four on the list for our bloopers of the week. Gymnastics gone wrong. Okay, I was not really sure what the whole thing was here, but it looked like they had like their hands look like they were close together on this. Isaiah, what, what gives with this clip here of gymnastics gone wrong? I don't know, I but I see this all the time, whether it's cheerleading or in gymnastics, where they're trying to throw them up in the air and catch them. But instead, I guess they threw her up, and I guess they forgot to catch her. I think that's what happened on this play. But it's really funny, though. <laughs> the amount of times, though, I've heard stories about that that happening, though, and like with it being super serious, yikes. By the way, Isaiah, yeah. uh, James is asking, who are you waving at in the video? Ha, 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 ha. Well, I, I'm not waving. I'm just like, I got my TV right here, and I'm just like, go, go, go. It's like, a you know, a third base coach telling the runner, go, go, go. That's basically what I was doing. <laughs> doing your best Tim Flannery impersonation. And also, James says, by the way, guys, I'm going to say it, though, but number four looked pretty fake. Honestly, it kind of did, but it, it, that's from Fail Army. It's not that, – that is definitely not our uh, material, sadly. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like becoming the – this is like our segment of uh, ridiculousness with Rob Deerdeck on MTV. Also, Chardol says that the blooper was hilarious. Can't stop laughing at it. Uh, is it Isaiah or the gymnastics one? I hope it's the first one more so than the second one. This is our version of AFB, Callen. America's yeah, funniest pretty much. This is pretty much it. Back to the sports <laughs> rule, folks, for blooper number three. Georgia's backup quarterback has an errant throw warming up on the sidelines. Ordoan Mathis. Mathis warming up, so is Daniels. Those two. Yikes. Let's see that one more time, real quick. Ordoan Mathis. And Mathis warming up, so is Daniels. Those two. So the backup quarterback, guys, he is getting loose and he doinks the ball boy with his warm up throws. Yikes. Callan, this just sums up how bad Georgia's quarterbacks are. You know, Dewan Mathis is warming up, and he just hits the ball, boy. I mean, what are you? Where are you throwing it at, man? It just—it's the Georgia quarterback situation all in one video. 
Yikes. And and uh, if that guy's last name is Mathis, then John needs to have a word with him if that's the case. Uh, by the way, um, Tyler says real quick, it looked like Isaiah was giving the Matt Hardy delete motion when you were waving in uh, the play with a uh, hasty running. Uh, I would agree, though. I mean, I, I kind of missed the V1 thing, though. V1 and then Jeff Hardy. I kind of missed that stuff. That's how long it's been since I've watched pro wrestling. It's been a while. Also, uh, Chardol clarified it was the gymnastics blooper he was laughing at. And also, James says, well, that's why he's the quarterback and the backup, nonetheless, too. He he did start yesterday, though, unfortunately. That is, that is start. Uh, with that, folks, to our number two blooper of the week, it is NFC East hot potato between the Giants and the unnamed Washington football team. Viewer discretion might be advised here. Officials will attempt to get to the bottom of the pile. Giants say they have. As if we needed any more reasons why the NFC East is the worst division in the NFL, it is that fumble recovery by whoever recovered it. But Kenny Albert losing his mind, though, on the Fox telecast was great, Isaiah. But, oh, my goodness gracious. It is bad out in the NFC East, buddy. Well, Callan, this is the NFC East in a nutshell. I mean, the it's like the ball was rolling around on the field. The division is rolling around on the field. And it's like, who wants it? Who wants it? Who wants it? I guess nobody wants it. Uh, apparently, nobody wants that NFC East division title. And also, Tyler says... The sad thing, one of these teams might host a damn playoff game. Oh, goodness gracious. That is going to be terrible. And also, James says that is not AstroTurf. Why is the ball bouncing like that? That's on that's on natural grass. How is the ball bouncing like a Super Bowl or a Super Bowl like 20 yards downfield? Callan, we just need the Cowboys and the Eagles to be in on that play as well. Oh, then we don't have an enormous dog pile or rugby scrum. With that, folks, sadly, that is not number one. The number one play, the number one blooper of the week goes to one of my former quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers, and his broken ankles. Turning, and he lost the ball. Ravens have it. Down the sideline, Chuck Clark hurdles and still goes. All right, I just need that one more time just because. Turning, and he lost the ball. Ravens have it. Down the sideline, Chuck Clark hurdles and still goes. <laughs> oh I man, Philip! I, I love I, I love Philip Rivers to death, Isaiah. But man, he got for one. We know he can't run very well. For one thing, we know he can't block for for his life either. Sadly, and thirdly, he got for one. He fell. And then fourthly, the guy pulls a Tyron Lue on him and steps over him on his way into the end zone. That sadly, man, is the number one blooper of the week. And it's sadly done by Phillip in a van down by the rivers in Indianapolis. Callan, I think you should show the audience the play one more time because I don't think they exactly focused on Phillip Rivers. Guys, take 
zone in on number 17. He's the last guy on the play before the Ravens corner runs it back for the touchdown. Turning, and he lost the ball. Ravens have it. Down the sideline, Chuck Clark hurdles and still got <laughs> Philip Rivers. This is exactly why, or this is exactly why Sebastian Janikowski, when the 49ers had a guy returning a kickoff like 100 yards back for the touchdown, he just said, nope, I'm too old for this, and decided I'm not. he's not going to go chase the guy down and tackle him. Instead, he just walked back down to the sideline and just, you know, just evaded him and walked back into the sideline. You should have done that, man. You're 38 years of old. You're 38 years old. You're not going to catch Marcus Peters. Don't try to, you know, try to uh, try to catch him and tackle him because you're going to end up on the blooper reel like you did today. <laughs> so sadly, folks, Philip in a van down by the rivers is the blooper of the week. But folks, where does he stack up, though, against this other one that didn't make the cut? Come on, Jimmy. We got to get this first down. Hasty's open. Hasty. Oh, my God. You take a damn sack. It was wide open. Are you far? That, Isaiah, becomes the equivalent of the uh, butt fumble being the not top 10 play for like two years on ESPN right there. Yeah, Callan, that that moment right there is going to be in MI6 history for a long, long time. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, thank you so much for putting me into infamy, man, like with that play. And you know what's really funny, Callan, is that we've had two moments on our show involving me and the 49ers, and both of those moments have involved Jamichael Hasty. So who knows? Maybe we should get Jamichael Hasty to come on our show <laughs> for an interview. It would be so yeah, Who knows? That is our uh, bloopers of the week right there, as mentioned, folks, at this point in time with that some final thoughts uh, before we actually get the final thoughts here from casey king casey says his final thoughts first off another great show on the night shift and looking forward to a great sports weekend next weekend with not only college football and my and the rams versus seahawks but also we got the masters which shall be good be interesting since it's being held in november for the first time and also cannot wait to be back here again with you guys next weekends to uh give my thoughts on the program have a great week guys and uh, all the best to you casey as the week chugs along here, Tyler Work writes in the same sad thing as mentioned with the uh, NFC hop, uh, the uh, uh, fumble between the uh, uh, between Washington and the Giants that they might actually host a playoff game. Uh, also, James about Philip Rivers, he's been in that position many times, trying to hunt down someone after a pick or a fumble, and also he says that he tripped on his own feet. But still, he still though Marcus Peters pulled the Tyron, pulled the AI and. Stepped over like he was Tyron Lue. That's what makes it even worse. And also, Tyler Works says, disrespect. Oh, the disrespect. Definitely did not look like the form tackling drills from my playing days. What Tyler says about the uh, tackle. And then, James, are you far in regards to Isaiah uh, and his um, remarks at the end of that video? But now, folks, we'll sh uh, shift gears and wrap things up. And uh, get started for the remain and uh, start on the next uh, week with tonight's final thoughts. All right, folks, time to wrap up the program here on this Sunday, November eighth. Isaiah, over to you. What do you got for us for final thoughts for tonight's show? Well, before I get into my final thoughts, Callan, I just want to thank 
James Gonzalez, Tyler Work, Casey King, Shardo Gupta, um, let's see, Stephen Wang, uh, let's see, Ronald J. James Davis, as well as Ted Vicky. Uh, who else? And I think that's that's it. But I want to thank all of our viewers once again for tuning into tonight's show and giving us so much love and support. We really, really appreciate you guys. I mean, you guys are truly the best fans on the planet. We could not have asked for any uh, better fans. You guys are just so awesome. Um, make sure you guys tune in tomorrow for another episode of Wild Sports Talk with myself. Callan and John Mathis. It's going to be a great, great program tomorrow. And also, ladies and gentlemen, tune in next week Sunday for another edition of Blooper of the Week. We're going to have the Bloopers of the Week segment every Sunday um, on the night shift. And also, give us your uh, give us any ideas that you guys have uh, for potential new names for the blooper of the week segment. Cause right now it's called blooper of the week, but me and Callan both want to make it a different name, a better name than blooper of the week. Blooper of the week just seems kind of too bland for our liking. So comment down below or comment in another post that Callan will have up about potential name changes for the blooper of the week segment. Also feel free to send us like ideas or videos, um, of different bloopers that you guys saw that you guys want us to add to our blooper of the week segment. We will gladly do that. But my final thoughts is everybody right now, winter weather has arrived. Uh, it's cold all over the place. Stay safe, stay healthy. And most importantly, stay warm, ladies and gentlemen. And with that folks, some more final thoughts trickling in. James agrees. Thank you guys for the entertainment as always. Tyler work with good show gents and Casey says, how about we call it the Higgins blooper of the week? We probably could. I mean, who knows? I mean, Add it to the rate, stash of ideas, Khaled. I mean, I mean, at this rate, we'll at this rate, we're going to be calling it the Isaiah H. Young Memorial trophy because of how things are going. Uh, James, I'm not sure about this one, but how about Isaiah ing a fool? Add that to the stash as well. <laughs> because that's probably going to end up being like how we're going to be graded on is, you know, how out of control is the blooper of the week against this thing again right here. Come on, Jimmy. We got to get this first down. Hasty's open. Hasty. Oh, my God. You take a damn sack. It was wide open. Are you far? We also, uh, Isaiah, can add Chris Wilson's thoughts from the night shift on Saturday of, of uh, whoops. There it is. In regards to the tag team song of Whoop, there it is. How about Whoops? There it is, being a part of that as well. But again, folks, as uh, already mentioned, but again, we thank you all again so, so much for uh, your uh, viewership uh, again today. And also, folks, again, keep smashing the podcast link. Again, folks, find us on Anchor or via your podcast app. We're getting ever so closer, folks, to uh, 2,000 listens on Anchor. Again, we already surpassed 1,500 earlier this month. And again, we're trying our best to get to 2,000 before the end of the year, but also, I believe, before we actually hit the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, which, by the way, folks, a quick note about that for uh, just your information as now. We'll have more about this next week, though. But, folks, as of a couple of discussions from us behind the scenes, though, the week of Thanksgiving, so in two weeks' time, we will be off the air, folks. The entire week of programming is mentioned with Trevor going home for the holiday, as is Shri, or, uh, you know, uh, most of the guys, though, that are, in fact, not home right now. We're going back home 
for their uh, uh, for the uh, vacation break. Um, and also, folks, that we will again, uh, we'll have more about that as mentioned. But again, folks, as of now, uh, do not look for any programming from us the week of Thanksgiving, as mentioned, with just guys going back home and giving us a chance to take a breather. And again, give ourselves a chance to recoup and uh, recharge and come back with you folks the week after Thanksgiving. And also, Isaiah, a pretty cool show coming up as well. Ten days from now, what do you got for us? Well, I want to add on to Callan's point as well. Um, we're still in preliminary discussions about it, but we may have a special Thanksgiving episode, just like we did for Halloween, where we're not going to have it on Thanksgiving Day. We're not going to have it like that that week, but we're probably going to have it that Saturday before Thanksgiving week, where the entire cast and crew of the MI6 Sports Network, me, Callan, John Mathis, uh, Furman Lee, Trevor Williams, Ryan Schreiner, Shri Anad, Martin Garcia, Stephen Wang, we all come together and we all like just talk sports. It would be like a special Thanksgiving show that we're going to have. We, we're, we're thinking about doing that. But uh, so make sure you guys keep on, uh, keep on the lookout for that. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to announce that on November 18, Wednesday night at 5 p.m. here on the West Coast, we are not going to have wild sports talk because we are going to have a special NBA draft live show where me, Callan, John, Steven, and the rest of the gang are going to sit down at the table and we are going to react to every NBA draft pick that comes in. Uh, in the first round of the draft, we're going to hopefully react to maybe LaMelo Ball going to Golden State and also like James Wiseman, um, Obi Toppin and others as they get drafted. And we will break it down and analyze what that means to that team. And also we're going to break down and analyze uh, potential big trades that is going to go down uh, during the draft. So make sure you guys tune in for that one. Wednesday, November 18. Callan, I believe we're going to start this show at either – 4 p.m. or 5 p.m., depending on when the NBA draft starts, right? That is correct. But again, folks, we'll have more about that as we get closer. Again, we do have to run some things by shareable. Steve, again, he's uh, the uh, executive producer of programming here. We'll have more about that, folks, again. Uh, to find out more about our upcoming uh, schedules, folks, uh, we encourage you to, again, follow us on social media. Again, find us, with, uh, as mentioned, we, already we always have our information Scrolling across the screen, but again, folks, search the MI6 Sports Network via your favorite social platforms. Again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're getting uh, getting a little bit better at using Instagram. Uh, and also, of course, subscribe to us, folks, on the uh, on your uh, podcast app, too, via Anchor. And also on Apple Podcast. And Isaiah saying, Turkey. Why? Be if we have that Thanksgiving show, I really hope you guys all tune in because, you know, I had that buffet for Halloween, like the Halloween Spectacular, where I'm going to bring a turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, green bean casserole, and a pumpkin pie for that Thanksgiving show. You're going to actually see me eat turkey on the show. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Callan's already saying no, no, no. <laughs> Why must it always be about food? Uh, James has a very good idea, Isaiah. The show for Thanksgiving should be about what you guys are thankful for in the world of sports. I agree. We'll have more about that as mentioned, folks. But again, follow us, folks, as mentioned, on your favorite social platforms. Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, on YouTube, and also, of course, via Instagram as well. Again, we'll have more updates about the upcoming schedule as we get closer to the 
uh, NBA draft as well. Uh, Angel Berrigan Jr. writes in to say, save him the stuffing and Casey will bring the fine wine. Let's do this. Someone needs it. to bring the prime rib too. Eh, maybe. We'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll bring some ham. How about that? <laughs> Mac and cheese too. That would be great. Tur turkey and ham sandwiches, uh, left uh, the leftovers for lunch the next day. And also Angel agrees that I like James's idea with everything that has gone on in 2020. I definitely agree about what we've been thankful for despite the pandemic and again what's gone on this year. Of course. But again, folks, with that in mind, for the entire cast and crew here of the MI6 Sports Network and for our fellow co-host, Isaiah Leung, yours truly, Cal McClurg, saying goodnight here from San Diego. We'll see you folks back here, as mentioned, Monday to kick off a new week here with myself, Isaiah, and John Mathis at 7.30 p.m. local time here to kick off a new week of coverage here, folks, with WST on Monday and Wednesday. Of course, we're back on the night shift on Tuesday night, again at 10 o'clock Pacific time, and plenty of more coverage, folks, throughout the course of the week back here on the 6th. Until next time, folks, have a good rest of your night. Take care. Please stay safe and stay healthy. We'll see you folks back here, as mentioned, on Monday. And, of course, back on Tuesday with the night shift at 10 p.m. Back here on the MI6 Sports Network. Until next time, folks, good night. Bye-bye.